I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, coming at you from Southern California. We are recording this podcast in November. You're likely not listening to it until January, so it's a little bit of lag, but trying to get a jump start on season 10. And I was so thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with Hernan Chausa, who I said his name not nearly as elegantly as he pronounces it, so I'll have him speak in a few moments, but I'm really excited to have Hernan on the podcast. He and I have exchanged messages on LinkedIn and through emails and things like that. He comes to this conversation with so much tennis experience. He was a player himself. He's a parent. He has coached. He, I, he just, he's run the gamut of what you can do in tennis, both as a junior um, and as a professional player and now as a tennis parent. And I'm just thrilled to have him here to share his expertise with all of us. Um, also, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we'd love to have you become a premium member of Parenting Aces. You can just go to parentingaces.com and click on the little join button on the left side and join us either as a monthly or an annual member. We'd love to have you. And also, if you're not following us on social media, please do so. We're pretty much on all the platforms, including having our own YouTube channel, where for those of you listening to this podcast, if you'd like to actually watch the video interview, go on over to YouTube and you'll find us there. So without further ado, let me just unmute Hernan and bring him back on the stream. Hernan, welcome to Parenting Aces. Thank you, Lisa, for having your podcast. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And you're coming from South America. Um, so coordinating this was a little bit tricky. So thank you for your flexibility there. Yeah, we have five hours of different timing. Yeah, 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 a little tricky. Um, so why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background on your own personal tennis journey? Okay, yes. I started playing tennis at six uh, because my parents play tennis because at that moment, Guillermo Villas was a, a main star in Argentina and make tennis a massive sport, you know. So I started taking classes at six and I really enjoyed the game. I wanted to play and I started competing. I, I went to a club, you know, uh, many, many years ago. Yeah, we, we didn't have academies, there were clubs mm -hmm. where we can practice. And then I, I, I train a bit harder and I elevate my standards. I, I went one year to the IMD Model Series Academy. And then I, I start to play really good and, and become one of the best in the country. And then I'm, when I was 17, I turned pro. Wow. I played some, some satellites, the, the future at that time. Uh, I play the, the, the junior French Open. I play I play the qualified with Todd Martin, you know. And that's that's I, amazing. That was a great experience because I couldn't return a serve to him. I, I lost four and four and I couldn't <laughs> return a serve. It was was kind of of, of tricky. Um then I I, I get a, a, a really good ranking because I was two hundred and ninety and I play challengers 
I play ATP Tour qualifies, and uh, I was 20, 21 years old. And at that time, I I thought I, I missed some some things to be a uh, to be really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Something was missing. Like and what? I don't have a great return. I, I couldn't. Uh, There's some standard that you have to pass, you know. And, and the return was a, was a big problem for me. And 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 then I, I, I used to be a big server, a big forehand player. And then my game, the coaches try to, to to put things to my game, you know, a backhand, a volley, and I, I started losing my 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 way of playing, you know. So that's what I was a, a, a issue there. But at that moment, the, the, the players, if they don't reach a certain level when they are 21, 22, they quit. Mm-hmm. Because the, the pros there quit early. Borg quit at 26, Claire quit at 28. And now you have Federer playing at 40, Nadal playing. So the, 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 the age shifted, you know. So I, I quit it and, and, and I did my, my, my career for a business career. I went to college, I went to an MBA and that kind of stuff. But I, I'm, I was always involved in tennis, you know. Mm-hmm. My, my brother-in-law played tennis with me in the ATP Tour also. And I have two kids that I teach them to play tennis and I'm in a, in a good tennis club. So I'm involved all the time with tennis. I love it. And how involved were your parents in your career when you were developing as a child? Uh, I have my father that was really tough and he pushes me too hard, you know. Uh, that's, that's a good side because in some time when I wasn't so good, he put me good coaches, you know, to improve my game, but he was tough. So everything I, I, I do, it wasn't enough. It was, it was really tough. And my mother always was there uh, for me, uh, for the logistic issues and that kind of stuff. And, and that was a, a, great, a great support, you know? Right. And so when your own children started playing tennis, were there lessons that you took from your junior tennis years, your upbringing in the sport that you applied to helping your own children? Well, there are, there are different stages. Uh, my kids, I have two kids that, that play. Um, my older kid was really good when he was young. He started playing at three and, and he loved the sports. Uh, at four years old, he was serving. That's kind of strange. Um, at, in, in under 10, he was the, the best in the, in the country. And I, I teach him till he was nine mm. because I, I want to teach my, my kids. As a, sometimes I have a personal lesson with them and they go to a, a, a group lesson. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, so we mix personal, uh, my private lesson, just to fix technique and that kind of stuff, and a group lessons. And um, the both kids also play another sport. Julian, that my elder son, play football. And the other son, Sebastian, play karate. And we mix two, two sports. But I'm telling this, and I wasn't the best parent at all. I, I've written a couple of books, but I, I have uh, really messed up too many things, you know. I, so I'm I right there like, with you. We, I, we <laughs> all look back and think, oh, my gosh, I should have done this differently, that differently. Yeah. 
Uh, I think we don't have to look back. We, we did our best with the tools we have at that moment. We learn and we uh, act in consequence, no? Right. But I think the thing that's very difficult um, for a lot of parents is when you question in the moment, are you doing the right thing? Is this the best thing I can do for my child? Am I putting them in the best possible uh, surrounding, you know, for them to achieve the goals that they have. And you, you question every step of the way, you know, you don't, it's very difficult to feel a hundred percent confident in those decisions. And mm. then when you start to, you know, once your children are older and you start to reflect back on things that happen along the way, um, at least for me, the way I, I judge myself as a parent is the fact that I have, solid relationships with my children now at, in their adult years. And that to me is a success story because we're yeah. close. Right. But, you know, could I have done some things differently to help my son do better with his tennis? Absolutely. Um, you know, what are, would things have turned out differently? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And then when, when the kids are young, there are too many people that, uh, take decisions, you know, grandparents, uh, many coaches that want to, to get your kid. And, and it's, dif it's difficult to, to decide, you know, because there's too, too, many, too many people uh, giving advice. So you have to be alone and decide by yourself and not be conditioned by, by others. And, and it's great to, 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 to hear from you that, that you have a good relationship with your kids right now. Um, I have a wonderful relation right now. I didn't have it when they were 15, they were 17. It was tough. It mm -hmm. was really tough. But we, we handled it together. And, and, and we, as, as family, we grow, you know. Sure. And so you're, it's two boys, yeah, that you yeah. have? Yeah. And one of them is currently playing college tennis or he's done already? Yeah, yeah. Julia is playing college tennis. Julia, just to to, to make a picture. In an, in under twelve, at the end of her, he reached quarterfinals. Wow. He was he was good. Then at fifteen, he quitted. Oh. He quitted tennis. Okay. Why? Because we put more in the system than what he he wants to put. You know, you understand that. And and then at seventeen, he said, "I want to go for a, a college scholarship." And it was tough for him. Just out of two the years. blue? Out of the blue? He hadn't played for two years? Two years without playing. Yeah. And he wanted and he was he was six his goal and he he um he did it. He did it. It was one year that he had to get some ranking. There was no UTR in Argentina, so you are out of the college radars coaches. He had to do the international exams, SAT and too many things in just one year. And he did it. And now he's a graduate senior at Delaware because he, he can play one more year, yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And, and I think this is a really important story for parents to hear and understand. And, and I've told this story about my son too, who took a lengthy break actually in his freshman year of college. He was having a bad year and took a long break away from the sport and then decided to come back. Um, 
the fact that your son took two years away after having such a stellar outcome, you know, at the Eddie Her and I'm sure in the tournaments local in Argentina, um, but the fact that he was still able to regroup and market himself to college coaches and give himself the opportunity to play in college is it's an important thing for people to understand that if your kid decides that they need a break from the sport for a while, they're just, they're feeling burned out. They're not loving it, whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean they're finished. Yes. At that moment it, it was finished. And then he had to start up again and, and it was a tough work. It was, it was very hard. He was to start the first tournament. He played the lowest tournament in the country and he lost first round. So mm. it was tough to, 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 to came back. He, he attended a, a showcase at Miami for, for recruiting. So it was a, all a process to, to travel, you know, it was, a, it was, it was really tough. And, I, and I, I was pretty close to him and I helped him till I, I left him at Wofford where he, he, did, he, he did his undergraduate. And I said, I'm done. <laughs> it was really tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when they go away. And I mean, mine, you know, mine went across the country. So not, not quite as far as a different, mm. you know, continent, but still. Um, so when he told you at 15, I'm done, I, I've had enough of this tennis thing. How did you respond to that? Uh, in fact, he was in the first day of the preseason turn training. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I'm done. And for me, it was a relief. Really? Uh, I, yeah, it was a relief. It was a relief. And, and, and I, I was Why? really stressed. Uh, because the circuit is tough, you know. Uh, tennis is not easy. And, and he, he's the son of an ex-tennis player. And, and it's a, a, a difficult environment. Now, tennis is an individual sport. So uh, I was um, I was relieved. So I was so relieved that I wrote my first book right after he uh, finished tennis. Yeah. All right. Yeah, promote sure. your book. Tell us the name. Um, the book is My Son, the Tennis Player, and it's it's um, it's characterizing the the junior circuit, the the players, the coaches, the relationships, some tips, and um, it has some. Some images, some um, how to, how to say when when the, some pictures draw photos, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and it's it's written in, a, in an ironic way, and it's yeah. It and we'll a, have a link. Uh, we'll have a link to your book in the show notes on parentingaces.com. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a kind okay. of yeah. It's a kind of therapy, you know. Right. So so it was kind of cathartic to write the book and kind of get it all off your yeah. chest and yeah. And I'm sure that helped you cope some. Yeah, and at that moment, at, at that moment, it was the worst time in my relationship with him. At his 15, when he quit, we'd been at the dinner table and everything that I say was wrong. So I stopped talking, you know, for two or three months, I stopped talking, no talking at the dinner table. And then he started uh, um, coming again and we, we, we started chatting. Uh, it was a tough process, tough process. I mean, 15-year-old boys are not easy in the best scenario. So I can only imagine the stress of 
I'm sure he was feeling stressed before he came to you and said, I'm quitting, right? That must have been a very difficult decision for him. Do you know what was kind of the final straw for him? What what was the thing that made him eventually decide I'm done with this and it's time to tell my dad? I think he wasn't enjoying it. He wasn't winning. He, he see that uh, his parents put more passion in the game than himself. Mm. Parents, grandparents, and all the family. So he said, I want a way out. Yeah. And, and he was very, very courageous to, to say that thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it speaks highly to your relationship with him that mm. he was able to say it instead mm. of continuing to push through something that he was unhappy doing. What did he do when he stopped playing tennis? How did he fill his time? Because we know how many hours a day, how many days a week these kids are putting into their sport. What happens when they don't have that anymore? Yeah. In fact, one of the mistakes that we did, we put him before that decision in homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one year in homeschooling. And the first thing that he said, I want to go back with my kids, with my friends at the same school. Yeah. So uh, in that school, he's from, he was from 8 to 4 or 4 in the afternoon. So you have the whole day. Um, he played football. He liked football. They have a team. And he, he had fun. He relaxed and, uh, and didn't have the tennis stress, you know. Right. When you say football, you mean what we call soccer? Soccer. Sorry. Yeah. Soccer. No, it's okay. I just want to clarify that it's. I, I figured that's what you were saying, but I just want to make yeah. sure. Um, and so when he decided that he wanted to play college tennis, what do you think brought him to that decision? No, uh, what I told him is that if he wants to pursue a college, uh, college scholarship, he had to tell me one year before ending school because it's, that wasn't easy. And one year before ending school, at the New, New Year's Eve, he said, I want to pursue a college scholarship. For so tennis. Start, and yeah. not not for soccer, not for football. No, he, he could get, get, uh, get some scholarship in soccer, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, tennis. It was tennis, tennis, yeah. Okay. And do you know why? I mean, did he have friends that were starting to go through the recruiting process? Or what what happened that changed his mind about it? Deep, deep inside, I think that he wants to be... Uh, far away from his parents. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, and, and 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 at that moment he didn't realize that it, that he can get a scholarship in soccer. So he he thought about tennis the first choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so has he regretted that decision, or did he once he made the decision and your family made the commitment to help him reach that goal? Has he just kind of pushed forward and no looking back? No, no, Julian doesn't look back. No, yeah. when he made a decision, he's done. Um, he he been the four years in in the other graduate, and he did all the things, and he wanted to after college to to try the doubles tour, mm-hmm. but uh, after COVID nineteen. He was kind of uh, tournaments there, us there, there are not many tournaments there. So he, he chose a, a graduate senior 
and then I work. Okay. So he's in graduate school. Is that what you're saying? No, he's now, um, uh, he's, he's doing an, a master. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, international, and- international business master. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Yeah. So when Julian made that announcement that I'm done with tennis, how did that affect his younger brother? Well, the younger brother, uh, or I call him the forgotten son. The forgotten son. <laughs> yeah, the forgotten son. I, I didn't have him in the radar when Julian was playing, you know, that, that things happen. Um, he got some, some more uh, protagonics issues and he was uh, on the radar, you know. But um, he have a, a, they had a good relationship, but they don't make do many things in common. You now okay. they have their, their separate lives. Sebastian wants some music styles, play the guitar, and that things, and they're two very and, different. But Sebastian's still playing. No, Sebastian quit at twelve. Uh, okay. He he had a, a really. Uh, original find, uh, way to say I, I'm done with tennis. I, he threw every ball out of the court, and we stopped. Uh, <laughs> we stopped. We stopped with the tournament with Sebastian. Yeah, and not so subtle, right? It's like I, yeah, I don't yeah. want. I don't want you to mistake my intent here, Dad. I'm just going to throw yeah. all the equipment away, and we're done. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. funny. And so, so now you have. Your younger son not playing at all. Your older son, who's played in college and and you said still has a year of eligibility for because of yeah. COVID, right? So he'll yeah. play, he'll play this year. Um, he played till May, yeah. Okay, and and so how does that impact you as the parent, the former professional player? Um, what has it been like for you to to watch your sons go down these different paths? Um, I I really do like that he was at college. You know, uh, we went every year to see two or three matches, and and it's an amazing environment. It's it's, yeah. it's way different than the than the tour. It's way different, and he enjoyed that, and and he had many friends from different countries. He's, it's really great, and, and it's impossible to have that experience in South America. It's impossible mm-hmm. to play and to study. There's no way. So you have a, a really good system there. Um, but I, I pursued that, that decision, and I, I talked to, to Julian, and, and he said, I want you to do that. I, I follow you. you know? I, I support you. you know, he, he, he drives the bus. You know, it's, That's the way. Right. Which when, I think... Oh, yeah, when he, need, when, when he needs something, he, he chat with me and say, and I have to give my very best advice because we never talk, you know. We talk maybe once a week, a family FaceTime. But when he chat, I will say, ah, the calls are shutting down. What do I do? Okay, we we come up with a, with a, with a advice, you know. Right, right. So now you're kind of through this. You're on the other side of it like I am. When you think about parents that are just getting involved in junior tennis, or maybe they've been in it for a few years and you think about what advice they need to hear. 
what are some of the things that pop into your mind? Okay, uh, first thing maybe is uh, in practices, don't go to practice. My first advice is not go to practice because that is the environment, the kid's environment, where he, he developed the relationship with the coach and we as parents, that doesn't have to, to be there. No? I've been in on many in many practices, but that's a, a bad it's a bad uh, uh, thing. Um, what else? The well, person. let me ask you about that because there's a lot of debate um, in the junior tennis community, at least that I've seen on social media and whatever, about what the role of the parent is during practice sessions. And there are those who, those junior coaches who say, I want the parents there. I want them to hear what I'm teaching so that on the days where the kid's not with me, the parent doesn't confuse issues. Like the parent sticks to the game plan. Then there are the coaches that say, I don't want parents anywhere near the tennis court when I'm trying to teach their children. All they do is distract and you know, this is my time with the player and I need the parents to just go away. Um, and then there's some that, you know, want a combination of things. And my personal view on that is unless you as the parent have such trust in the coach, it's very difficult to hand your child over and say, okay, here, coach, you deal with all of this. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go about my day and do my thing. And then, Come pick my kid up when you're done. Uh, I, I, I'm in the, in the third view because I, I know something about the sport. So maybe I see the coach as is not doing the right thing, you know, and I have some argue with them. So that was tough. But um, I think that... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that parents need to know that the, the technique, what the coach is, is, is saying to them. Uh, I, I think the best thing that parents can do is work on themselves. Have a hobby, work on the job, work out, and you have the mind clear. Because when you have a, a kid playing tennis, your mind is a mess. That's an understatement. I'm laughing, but it's kind of a sad laughter. You think all day if he put a pair of socks, if he uh, have the water, and you know, you know, uh, when when Nadal was 11, he was playing a tournament, and he was in the the third game, and and he realized that he didn't have water, so he asked Uncle Tony to go. To, to buy one water. And Tony, he said that it was uh, his responsibility that today he was going to play without water. Yeah. And he built a champion. Yeah, we, we've heard those stories about Rafa, right? That Tony didn't, you know, didn't ever give in, right? There no. were there were rules and you follow the rules. And if you forgot something, too bad for you. Yeah, but I think that is right that because you are uh, you are um, micromanagement micromanaging your kid, you know, and I think that he's not growing. Mm-hmm. No, my, my I agree kid, with you. I my, agree. My with kid, you. my kid grew more in four years in college alone, taking decisions. You have to make mistakes. 
All, all yes. of us has to make mistakes. Yeah. Well, and so I think that feeds into this advice maybe that you would give to parents is, you know, letting the children have those small failures. My philosophy is, the, you know, the more small failures they have as children, the fewer big failures they're going to have as adults where it really matters, right? Where the consequences are so significant. I think that the kids bounce, bounce back, you know, if they have a, a big issue, they will bounce back, give, give him time. And with time, he, he will, he will go on, get on the road again. Right. Maybe so for when, adults it's tougher, you know. But when Julian can. and Sebastian were playing, were you the parent that dropped them off and then picked them up when it was over and let them carry their gear and deal with their warm-up and their stretching and all of that on their own? Or was there some middle ground there? No, no. I, I was the guy that, that made the mistakes, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, and I was right I, there with you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we, we did that. We, we did that, and we are guilty of that. You know, that's that's the that's the truth. Yeah. But uh, we have to 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 grow ourselves and realize that they have their space. We have our space, and we don't have to overlap spaces. You know, tennis yeah. is, is is their game. You know, because you, you hear parents. Uh, talking about tactics with other parents and that they uh, never pick up a racket and they know to what academy go, to which tournament you have to play. And it's just, it isn't worth it. Right. How do you, as a parent, now that you've gone through this, how do you advise parents, I guess, to not make it such a big deal? And I think this is, it's such a challenge. And I'm asking this question because I was on the phone this morning with a parent of a seven-year-old who decided to move for the child's tennis at age seven and um, did a pretty big lifestyle change for the family. Uh, and I kept saying, you know, just remember that he's seven He's a little kid and there are, you know, lots of things to do as a seven-year-old besides play tennis. And, you know, I hope you'll continue to encourage those other activities as well. And it just, I don't know. I think we as parents tend to get so caught up in it, you know, that sometimes our kids are the ones who suffer. Uh, yeah. We, we think more about tennis than our job, you know. We are searching <laughs> which strings to buy, which racket to buy. I was maybe one week, one hour every night seeing rackets for Julian, the upgrade and that kind of stuff. And it's all the same. Yeah. So um, there, are, there are parents that, that want to move when, when their kids are seven. And there are some parents that they want to do their things. But uh, I don't advise that, you know. I think that the kid has to, to develop his skills. Tennis is a great sport to develop. It's a great sport. Uh, you have decision every three seconds. Every stroke, you have a decision. You have healthy routines. Um, you have to, 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 to take care of your stuff. You have to play in a team when you play maybe intro clubs and that kind of stuff. So tennis is fantastic. But the, the environment is very... Uh, 
difficult. So you have to take care of your kid about that environment. You know, mm -hmm. if if we if we push the system, uh, the kid will burn out. Sooner or later, the kid will burn out. So how do you account for somebody like a Roger Federer who is still finding joy in competing at almost 40? Or did he turn 40 already? I guess he already turned 40. Um, um, it's crazy, right? I think Roger loved the game. He loved the game. And he was very wise because he chose the right coaches. Today's Federer is not the Federer four years ago. He's playing inside the court. His backhand is another backhand. He adjusts his tennis for his age. And the other thing, I think, that he wants to make history. Hmm. He wants to make history. It's, they, they don't and play guess, for the money. They love right. the money also. But they, he wants to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we say the same thing about Serena Williams, right? I mean, the fact that coming back after having a child and still, you know, trying to reach that magic number and, you know, certainly she's got more money than God. So does Roger. Um, yeah. But yet they still continue to show up and train and compete. And I think it's, it's unbelievable to maintain that level of commitment for that long. Uh, in Serena, you have, you have a parent, you have Richard. I wrote, I read the, the book black and white and it was amazing what this person did with with that two girls it was really great. I, he put them in a court in a in a in a hard place to, to feel the pressure. That that, that guy is amazing. And then yeah. he delegated another one. Today Serena, I think with Patrick Moratoglu or another, another coach. Yeah. And there's there's a moment when you, you have to to, to to leave the the player, you know. Right. Right. So in terms of parents getting educated about how to maneuver through all of this junior tennis stuff and the college recruiting and all of that, it's very difficult, right? Because there's not a central resource. I mean, parenting aces, we try to be a central resource, but obviously, you know, I can't, I don't have access to all information and things are different in different parts of the world. What do you recommend parents do in order to be the best version of themselves they can be as their child is going through this journey? Um, I think two things. First, you get a UTR. UTR is the, the main thing for college coaches. And, and then also to have a a good SAT, a good TOEFL, because you can get some scholarship there, not only tennis, you know. So uh, in academics, you, you can get some some money for the kid. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the UTR is, is, the, is the main thing that, that college coaches do. And you have to be on the radar, you know. But maybe the UTR is important, but the, and there are some coaches that want to see the, 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 the player, how he reacts, how he plays doubles, how he... He, he, he be in an environment. There were many cases in South America where the kid uh, went for six months to the college and then he came back. Mm. So you have to, to take care of, of, of different things, you know. Right. But in terms of the parents themselves, being supportive and being, you know, in the right frame of mind, what advice do you have for them in order to 
get to that place. And, and I've had this conversation with so many people over the years, you know, about does it get easier as a tennis parent watching your child compete? And across the board, the answer is no. It gets more difficult as the stakes go up. But my experience was once my son was playing in college, all of a sudden I relaxed because... Yeah. For me at that point and for him at that point, that was it. We knew his tennis was done when he was done with college. And so it was just about enjoying the moment, enjoying watching him compete and enjoying the environment and all of that. But it took me a really long time to get there. Yeah. The recruiting process is, is very tough because in, in the U.S., the, the, most of the players play for a scholarship. Not yes. for turning for turning pro. In South America, it's different. We play to get pro. Yeah. Uh, so that the, the pressure in the kid, maybe when he's 15, 16, is to get a scholarship. So maybe you, you can micromanage him something. And he has to to be sure that's that the path that he wants, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. that, I think that's the main thing. And the more we talk about it, It's the worst. Yeah. They, he, he, they will they will find the path. And they have in the U.S. You have all the resources to to find the path. And if you're a parent, you have to maybe you have to have a good coach. Uh, you've had a relationship with some people is better, but uh, you have to relax. I I I know it's not easy. It was not easy for me, but I was I, I were I was in Argentina with no UTR, no no ranking, no nothing. But <laughs> but in the in the, in the USA, uh, there's plenty of schools. Right. And and I, I I I can give you an advice that I did with Julian. I was searching for a college that where he would be the best player in the team. A college that loses more than wins. Mm -hmm. Because why? Because he will play all the weekends. He yeah. started in double double number one and single five, and he ended in single one and double one. And he played four years. And maybe some parents want to go to Harvard, want to go to uh, some some college that that are really high. And mm -hmm. I, I don't raise, I I don't think that raising the bar high is, is better for the kid. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So. Is college tennis, you said, you know, most of the kids in South America are training to be professional players. Is college tennis then viewed as kind of the fallback or the, if you fail at becoming a pro, you go to college and play tennis? Is that the mindset or no? No, that's the mindset of the player in South America. But now there are more players that are pursuing a college career. Not as many as this could be, but there are more players. But when you you, you talk to a number one under 16, I want I want to go to college, but you're quitting tennis. So, but I think, and that's a personal view that if you want to turn pro, you need to go to college. You need to go to the best program, and you are out with 22 years, and and the and the and the ages to to, to get into the. The, the system, the ATP, shifted. They are higher because Fur is still playing. So you, you can go to college, have fun, practice your game. You see the, the college kids are very strong, mm -hmm. are very strong. And when you see the kids playing the tour, 
are thin, weak, because they're 18, 19, they're they are kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they haven't fully developed into their adult bodies yet, especially on yeah. the men's side, right? So what do you attribute the fact that more South American kids are looking at college? Why is that? What changed? Is it the older age on tour? Um, no, um, I think that tour is uh, expensive. It's very expensive. If you want to play a whole year, uh, you have to spend $60,000 a year, maybe yeah. 60, 80. Yeah. Kids don't have that money and not too many families have that money. And you have to play four, five, six years to get some ranking. So it's a lot of money. And, and kids from South America maybe can can play can play in college paying five thousand dollars a year, you know, or right. maybe for free. Right. So it's a, it's a great choice. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong, but I always find it interesting when that mindset shifts to you know from college tennis is the failure route mm -hmm. to oh yeah everybody should go to college for at least a year or two and maybe all four years before deciding to pursue the professional side of the game. And I, I'm always thrilled when kids choose the college route. I think it's a great opportunity for most players. You know, there are obviously those, those outliers who are ready for the tour at 17, 18. Yeah. But I think especially on the men's side now, that's very, very rare. Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult. You have to have a star, maybe Del Potro, maybe some new, 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 new guy. But all are normal. You know, college is a, is a good path, and you have to choose the right college, the right coach. Yeah. Because uh, the coaches, some they have difference between the U.S. coach and the South American coach. They are different. Very. Very. Yeah. But not all, not all college coaches are American. Yeah. I have a friend that is a is a college coach, Mario Rincón. He's a college coach, and you're friends with Mario. Yeah, he I'm friends with together. Mario. I'm yeah. friends with Mario, of course. Yes, um, yes, that's so he's funny. A great guy. He is a very sweet guy. Yeah, I did not realize y'all played together. I love that. Tennis is such a small world, right? There's so much overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to your your boys and your role as a tennis parent, having played yourself on the tour, did you feel when your boys were playing junior tournaments and traveling around for that and you would meet the other parents, did you feel like you were better prepared to handle this junior tennis thing because of your own personal experience? Or did you feel like I know too much for my own good? Uh, I thought I was prepared. Um, I, I talked with the parents about um, technical issues with the, their kids and that kind of stuff. I, I, I like to teach, you know, so I talk about that stuff, but um, I thought I was more prepared than, than I, I was already was, you know, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I made all that mistakes. And, and, and I, I, I realized when I, my kid quit, you know, my kid didn't quit, uh, I will continue making the same mistakes, you know? Right. So it was kind of a wake up call for you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a step stone. Yeah. Right. Right. I, 
it's always so interesting to me because I played tennis growing up, but not at a very high level. I was okay. Um, but you know, didn't play in college. I wasn't good enough to go that route. I quit by that time too. Um, like your son, I quit at 15, 16, I guess. And, um, you know, I felt like when my son started playing tennis, things were so different from how they were when I came up in the sport, you know, the, the whole structure in the U S of, tournaments and how the rankings are done. And then UTR came on the scene and that changed things again. Um, so I felt like I really was at no advantage having played myself as a kid. And in fact, maybe at a disadvantage because I kept saying, but wait, it used to be like this. Why is it like this now? And, you know, it just would frustrate me. Um, and I was always kind of envious of the parents that, they had no background in the sport. They were coming at it, you know, completely knowing nothing and just they were sponges, you know, they were so ready to absorb every bit of knowledge that came their way. Yeah. But um, what I think is that uh, more, the more knowledge we get, the more pressure we, we put to the kids, you know, uh, we have, I have parents, parents that, that doesn't, doesn't get afraid when the kids play, that maybe are the parents that you, you that you mentioned they didn't know nothing about tennis and they they don't have emotions mm-hmm. and that's everything in the in the in the court. But um, I, I personally maybe in Argentina in my place I thought that when I played tournaments there were better tournaments than when my son played. That the system mm-hmm. was better when I played. But the system is the system and you have to 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 deal with it, you know. Right. Yeah, you have to learn to navigate the system that you're in. Yeah, and, and, and there are parents that want to go against the system and they want to go uh, against many structures. And that's really tough. That's really tough. Do you think playing junior tournaments is necessary to developing a high level player? There are some players that skip the, the, the junior tour. They, maybe they play the, the, the mayors in, in junior and, and that's it. Um, I think there, there, are, there are three matches that you have to play. The match that, that you know you, have, you will win, mm-hmm. the match that you don't know you will win, and the match that you know you will lose. If you play junior tournaments and you are good, you have the pressure to win when you're supposed to win. Maybe too many players, they say, no, I skip juniors, I play the pro, and they lose, they lose, and they don't have pressure, you know? Two, three years playing without pressure. Um, I think it's, that's not uh, a really good decision. Interesting, yeah. I think that's, I, I've heard that from other players um, and parents as well, and, and from coaches, that you have to have that balance of, the matches you lose, the matches you win, and the ones you go into, and it could go either way. And I think that's what UTR is really trying to do, right, is to provide those opportunities and to make it easier to kind of identify those opportunities when they come up. But, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress, I think. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah but uh, they have to feel the pressure that too many kids that don't, Play, they play higher tournaments, they skip one level to, to lose, you know, and they lose all the time. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, the kids need to go through those 
progressions of losing and then having battles and then winning easily and then finding that that mix that works for them. They, they, they need that three type of matches. They need three type of matches. They need to feel the pressure. They need to fight when they know they, they will lose, but they have to fight. And they have to maybe develop new skills when they play to a lower level player. Mm. Maybe you don't serve and volley, maybe one serve and volley in the 40 love. You have to practice skills in that match. Right. What do you feel like is one of the keys, or maybe you have several answers to this, that help kids really develop that competitive nature, that competitive edge that helps them manage the stress of competition? How they develop that? Mm -hmm. And that's a tough one. <laughs> if I if I or knew are that kids one, born with it. I mean, do you feel like kids are born with it, or can it be I, coached? I think that there are certain kids that they are highly competitive. At everything they play, they are highly competitive. And there are kids that they don't compete so much, and they and they. But the um, I I listen to the podcast with. Gustafsson, and yeah. that guy said an interesting thing that he made them compete. Yeah. He made them compete. He don't care about other things. And I think that that's amazing because many coaches are, are trying to develop a forehand, a backhand, and at the end, at the end, it's the mind. It's just the mind. Yeah. Yeah. You have to want to win. Right. And and you have to hate losing. My dad always said that you have to hate yeah. losing more than you love winning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. So what are you doing now? Your boys are done playing. What? How do you channel your love of the game nowadays? Well, I have a company, I have a business in Argentina and we have some international uh, customers, too. And in tennis, I, I after the COVID-19, I start playing again. Again, I play one, maybe two times a week. And now I'm playing almost every day because it feels good, you know. It, yeah. feels, it feels really good. And the lockdown has some consequence, you know. It's not healthy and you have to move your body. So I have tennis and I play every day. I go to, to the main club in Argentina. I have too many friends to play all the levels. So it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a really good sport, yeah. Do you ever hit with your sons? Uh, yeah. Last Sunday, I hit with Sebastian. He didn't hit maybe for six years. Uh -huh. and, and maybe two years ago when Julian came, he asked me to play. Uh, and I play. I play three, four times. And that was the amazing thing that happened to me. Yeah. play with your son that, and that your son wants to play with you, you know. Yeah, I think that's, that's lovely. Yeah. That was a gift, you know. That was a gift. For sure. And I think, like, it's important for parents to hear you say that, right? That mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how far your kids get with the sport, right? I mean, mm -hmm. as, if they have a goal, it matters that you help them try to achieve that goal. But if the goal changes and playing college tennis is no longer what they want, playing professional tennis is no longer what they want, playing junior tennis is no longer what they want, 
that the gift of it is they now are proficient enough at the sport that they can play. And one day they come back to you and say, Hey, let's, let's go to the court and hit a little bit. And what that feels like, you know, that you've given them that gift and now they're giving it back to you. Yes. It's huge. Yes. It's very nice. Really, really nice. Uh, I think parents have to, uh, if, if they, uh, how do I say, evaluate themselves, uh, they evaluate their kids, they're going to surprise. Yeah. They're well, surprise. And I, what, it was interesting to me. My son was visiting a, a couple months ago and I had a tennis match scheduled at my club here. And my son said, I'm, I'm going to come watch. I was like, all right. I mean, it's the first interest he's shown in tennis in three years. And it was so fun for me to, I think I was nervous to have him watch me because he hasn't seen me play in a while either. Um, But it was just so, it it made me feel good that he wanted to sit out there and he and my husband came and, you know, they chatted some and they watched some and it was just really wonderful. You know, you know something, there are not too many moments with our kids when they are 20, 22, 23. And you have one moment like that, it's, it's a really a gift, you know? It is. It is. And I, I want the listeners to hear that because, we, as you said, we get so caught up in all the minutiae of our children's tennis that sometimes we lose sight of that big picture mm-hmm. of yeah. this relationship building that's happening when we're involved in something that our children are showing a passion for. Yeah, I think that parents have to have to figure out that tennis is a way to develop skills. Mm. It's, it's not an end road. It's a way. It's a way to develop healthy habits, decision making, that kind of stuff. Sure. And we talk about that all the time, that tennis is such a great metaphor for life, right? There's so many things you do on a tennis court or in preparation for stepping foot on the court that translate to anything you're going to do in your adult life, whether you're a parent yourself, whether you're a spouse, whether you're an employee or an employer, um, whether you're giving back to your community. I mean, all of these skills that our kids are learning through this game will serve them no matter what they do in their adult lives. Yes, and they are in a sport, you know. It is very difficult to put kids in sports. They have choose too many social media, too many other things. And have a kid in sport is, is really healthy. You know? Yeah, it's great. Well, we're coming to the end of our time together, so I want to make sure I give you a chance to share whatever it is you, you want to share. So I already said we're going to put your book in the show notes with a link. Okay. Um, and you have two books. Well, tell us about the second book. Yeah, the second book is um, I had to make a, I have to give a talk in a soccer club, an important soccer club for uh, amateur sports, and I I was preparing the craft with with ten tips, and that is it. they were worthy to to make a book. So the, it's called How to Help Your Kids Succeed in Sports. Uh, they are both in Amazon, and the only social media that I use is LinkedIn. Okay. And I write some things about tennis, some things about life, some things about my company, and I'm there. 
Yeah. Okay. So we'll have a link for, for the LinkedIn page and also um, the link to purchase both of your books and uh, check out the show notes, everybody. So you can find out that information. And I will tell you from personal experience, Hernan is great at returning messages on LinkedIn. So if you have questions, you can certainly reach out to him through there. And he's very quick to reply, even though we're in different time zones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm active on the on the social media, just in LinkedIn, and yeah. I return on the message. Yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> well, Hernan, thank you so much for being with us today and for talking about your journey, your personal journey, and your parenting journey with your sons. And I wish them all the best as they continue to pursue whatever it is that they love in life. And uh, I'm really happy to hear that your relationship with them is solid and that you're getting to hit tennis balls with them again. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I want to thank you about the interview and the way you help parents in their journey too, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.